Well, hello you. This is Laura Camacho and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. I'm excited that you're here. I want you to know that this podcast is currently ranked. We're up back up to number three in the world for communication skills podcast. And that's because of you listening. And because of that, everybody wants to talk to you through this podcast. So I am the bouncer. And today I am allowing in this very cool young woman from Charlotte. Her name is Jenny Melrose, and she used to be a school teacher. I was a teacher also. I bet some of you have been teachers, or maybe your moms or dads were teachers. And she is now, she's like a consultant to influencers. She helps them to get uh, money from the big brands. And it's this very new business and a very particular skill set. And she's also an introvert, and she's going to talk to us about influence, of course. We love that topic. But also, I thought, given the wonky economy right now, that and, and in some of our coaching sessions, a few of you are have expressed the desire to at least explore, and some of you are doing more than exploring, a uh, side hustle. You know, I, I know that some of you are exploring getting a coaching uh, certification or financial planning certification. So I thought, well, this would be a good topic to talk about side hustles, not because you need it, but because you want it. And even if you don't want it, it's good It's good to know. You might know somebody who is interested in setting up a, a side hustle. And uh, before I introduce you to Jenny, I want to remind you that this is brought to you today's episode by Mixonian Institute. Mixonian Institute is my employer, and we offer workshops on speaking with impact, on communication styles. I have a communication style assessment. We do workshops on visibility, influence, and advanced presentation skills. So if you want to bring like a booster to your team or a group of people, the quickest, most fun way is to bring in a Mixonian Institute webinar with Laura Camacho, Speak Up With Laura, and so to do that, please reach out to me at laura at mixonian.com, M is in Mary, I-X-O-N-I-A-N. Now that is going to change to speak up with Laura address, but I don't know if it is has changed yet. And this, by the way, is episode, I believe, 179. We have so many freaking episodes, it's hard to keep up with them. But I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited for you to talk to Jenny. And uh, well, we'll just... I will let her say hello. All right, Jenny, welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast or the show as we call it. And I think it's so interesting that you are a former school teacher, as am I, and introvert, as am I. And most of the people listening here are very introvertish, shall we say. So tell us how you, that transformation of a career from school teacher to entrepreneur to, you're kind of like an advisor, like you're like the oracle for these influencers to help them <laughs> get the big bucks from the brands. And that sounds like very high high-level negotiations, you know, just looking at it from a communication skill point of view. So tell us about that journey, please. Yes, of course. Well, Laura, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be able to share and just get to know you even more. Um, I started off when I was an inner city school district teacher back in 2009. I had gotten pregnant with my first 
child at an older age than we had anticipated because it took us a while. And when she came, I realized I lost myself as a new mother and I wasn't anticipating that and needed something that was still my own and turned to the blogging world. And at that time, it was very new. It was very different. It was something that you could just share content about. And I developed a food blog called The Melrose Family, where I created quick and easy recipes and projects for busy parents. And that ended up replacing my $75,000 teaching salary. Um, I retired in 2015. So it's not like it happened overnight. It was not the following year I was able to retire or anything like that. But at 35, I was able to walk away from teaching and do this thing that was kind of a side hustle. Um, When I walked in and handed in my resignation, none of the teachers knew because I was teaching an elementary level and you had social media and it wasn't something that I wanted everyone in the whole entire world to know about. I kept it very separate. One, I had this professional life that I was a teacher. And then I also, of course, had my blog on the side and that blog kind of took over. So I was able to leave teaching and just kind of see where it was going to take off. We at that time lived in New York and we moved from New York down to North Carolina because of one, the weather and two taxes. And (laughs) I (laughs) was able to continue speaking. I was getting asked to speak around the country at blogging conferences to talk about how I was able to retire. What had I done in order to do that? And every time I would return I would get tons of emails asking a ton more questions. So I was able to turn back into my teaching expertise and create a course that taught them exactly how to do what I had done from the sponsorship standpoint. That was my first course that I created. And then I have since created multiple courses that kind of teach you how to be able to run an online business so that you are able to create products and services and all the things that you are an expert in and provide them to an audience that you don't have to know in person. So now I work as a content strategist and a business coach to female entrepreneurs that are looking to scale their businesses, to figure out how they can make a side hustle or turn a side hustle into something that can replace what they're already doing. So array of clients, anything from a therapist all the way down to teachers that are looking to sell their lesson plans. There's quite an array of clients I'm able to work with. Awesome. Well, I was just mentioning in the introduction that In my coaching practice, which is with highly conscientious, high performers, introverted all over the world, mostly in the U.S., but still all over the world, uh, male and female. So you guys do not turn this off. This is not, (laughs) you have to listen to, this is not just for the ladies. You're going to learn some valuable intel here. So this can consider yourself like not behind enemy lines, but behind the scenes or something. It's going to be, it's going to be very cool. Anyway, that so the I'm talking about engineers, network people, and meaning the compute the electronic network, not the people network or or mm-hmm. finance people. And a lot of them are considering: should I be a financial planner? Should I open my own consulting business? Should I open a recruiting company? Because like if working from HR, maybe I could be a talent recruiter. So. What are the things that somebody should consider or what are some good questions they should ask themselves 
when going through this process, it's, it's a big jump, right? Even though it's a side hustle, it's still going to take some of your very limited time and energy. So lay it on us. Yes. So I think the biggest thing is, is look at the questions that you're already being asked. What are people in your real life asking you questions about? So if you're in finance and people are asking you questions regarding financial advising or coming to you for your expertise, they are clearly seeing you a step above as that expert. And because of that, you then know what their pain points are. Because the biggest thing that you have to be able to do is to solve a very specific problem for them. And that way you can attract that audience that you are providing that solution for. So I think a lot of people, when they are doing that side hustle, your very basic starting point is what's the problem that you're going to be solving and who are you going to solve it for? Once you know those two things, you can then start creating content that is going to organically attract them, whether you're going to do that on a blog as a website, or you're going to do it via podcast, or you're going to do it on social media. Um, I actually have worked with a financial advisor and that was one of his questions. How do I continue to bring leads? I pay for leads on Facebook ads and that's not working out as well. How can I continue to do that? Well, do you have a podcast? Are you talking about the topics that can continue to attract these people to you and see you as that expert? And then from there, you grow an email list and you're able to continue to engage with them and to give them valuable content to then potentially be able to sell a product or service to them that just naturally happens because right. built trust with them. Exactly. Well, this reminds me, and I, I bet you're listening. I won't say your name, <clears throat> even though I know you're in Houston and it's a super smart director of engineering at one of the big, big, big tech companies. And even I, as his coach, have gotten financial advice from him in our conversations. So clearly he has a calling and the talent and the interest to become extremely successful as a financial consultant or coach or whatever that, that you just, you just it completely aligns his experience with what you're saying. When you were a teacher, were people asking you for recipes? How did you get the food, go to the food place? Yeah, so- Back then in 2009, like I'm a dinosaur compared to, because I have been online for so long. I mean, I was <laughs> online prior to Pinterest. Instagram didn't exist. TikTok, of course, didn't exist. So because of that, it was a time where people would just kind of blog to blog, almost were using it as a journal. And, and that was kind of the way that I started it. It was just, I have a creative writing background as well as my okay. education. So it was my way of it being an outlet. And then from there, I went to my first conference in New York city and mm -hmm. pushed myself to be that introvert. My husband was like, you got to go, go do it, go see what you can figure out about this. And I got placed in it table with women that were easily making six figures from their blogs. And I kind of sat back and was like, oh, this is, this is so much bigger than what I thought that it was. And there were so many details that I was able to pull from that conference to then say, okay, I need to research, key, understand keyword research search and mm -hmm. SEO. I need to have a better understanding of my brand and the way in which I represent myself across social media, but also of course on my blog. Um, so it just kind of changed the way that I started writing my content and I fell into food and recipes because at that time I wasn't someone who had cooked prior to having a baby. <laughs> so it was oh my God. 
part of my journey was creating these recipes that were simple and easy because I was able to do it. So I was a couple steps ahead of the person I was trying to share it for. I wasn't trying to share it for like the home chef. I was trying to share it for that mom that is overwhelmed with new babies and just needs to get something on the table so that their family is fed and then be able to enjoy their family during that time. So it kind of just came from my own experience. And I Mm -hmm. think that when we're looking at our audience, you're often creating content for people that are three to five steps behind you. Correct. You are an expert in their eyes. So you create that content in order to move them towards that. And I say that I speak to female entrepreneurs because that's what I know. Mm -hmm. I know it from the female perspective because I am a wife. I do have kids. So because of that, I often will give examples that are a little different for a man necessarily. And I think- So yes. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just, I just, you know, I'm talking to my audience and making sure everybody should be taking notes by the way. (laughs) And so here are two takeaways. This is so rich that I'm pulling from what you just said. So one is that, you know, we often assume that everybody knows and, and like I, my mom was like Martha Stewart before Martha Stewart. She was, she was a fantastic cook. And so I grew up cooking and I know how to cook and it never occurred to me. I mean, it seems so, so easy. Like it is impossible for me to imagine that struggle that you went through to have never cooked, but you, because you did go through it. And just like I have struggled with communicating and that's why I am doing what I do, but lots of people, you know, they have people eating out of their hands. They're the life of the party. They're super charming and they cannot imagine anybody needing help. And if you were to ask them, they would say, Laura, I just talk to people like what's there to it. So whatever you have struggled with, there's other people that have struggled with it too. So that's number one. And number two is that, Go right at, not right now, because you have to finish listening to this, but after this podcast is over, I want you to go look for a conference, either directly related or tangentially related to your area of interest. And even if you never launch your side hustle, I think it's so good for us to be immersed in something that is not our day-to-day business. And I've gone to interior design conferences. I know nothing. I learned what performance fabric was. I learned that you can talk for two hours on color. I was like, what are you? (laughs) I mean, that was just like so bizarre to me, but I learned a lot. So thank you for those. Those are two really, I think anybody out there, who's thinking of starting a side hustle, you know, what was the problem that you would solve? What do people ask you about? What have you struggled with and gotten ahead? You don't have to be the world's top expert. That's another thing, right? You just have to know more than other people and then sign up for a conference. So thank you for that. So Jenny, I am um, I want you to tell us now, what are the influence skills or the communication skills or the negotiating skills? I mean, getting brands to sign on to you and give you money is not easy. So tell us about that. Yes. So one of the things, of course, like you talk about is communication. Well, I equate that also to confidence. And I think it's something that many of us 
struggle with. And we assume, oh, those that are confident were born that way. And that's the way that they are. But when in reality, the way that I look at confidence is it's a muscle that you have to build up. You have to get used to it, doing different things and taking those risks of not knowing how to do something. Whereas you're the expert in what you're going to be teaching, but the way in which you're going to share it could feel very different to you and very new. When I started a podcast six years ago, it was one of the craziest things. My husband didn't even understand what a podcast was back then. <laughs> I asked him, I was at a podcasting conference, and that was one of the conversations that they had. Many people still don't know what a podcast is. So it's a risk to try to find these ways that you can get in front of an audience and attract them. But at the same time, that risk helps you build up confidence. Now, when I interview people for my podcast, they say, oh, you're such a pro at this. I'm a little nervous to interview with you. And I'm like, mm, no, I've obviously been doing it for quite some time, but I worked at it. I got better at it. There's definitely a difference from my interviews in the beginning to now, but it's something that you can continue to work at. So I think that when it comes to starting that side hustle or the communication piece that you need to have in order to what I have done with negotiating with brands is that confidence of knowing the value that you bring to the table. One of the things that you said before is that we were talking about the idea of when you're first starting out, the things that you're going to talk about may seem like you're only a couple steps ahead, but that's you don't necessarily want to it be an easy thing that you do, right? When you were talking about that introvert compared to someone that's the life of the party, that life of the party can't break it down and no. show them how to get there. But Correct. the person that has been in the struggle and can has done it can, and they're close enough to it that they can teach it. And I think that that is often what we see when it comes to even when I'm trying to negotiate with brands is I have learned the confidence to be able to say, I know the value that I bring to the table. This is my audience. This is who you're going to get in front of and being able to put together a package for them where they see the value because it hits their KPIs that they're trying to hit. at Right. That time. Right. But, and that's exactly the same as trying to get promoted in a company. I mean, you have to take risks. You have to speak to that senior audience that's intimidating and you have to know the value that you bring to the table. And I think what trips up some of our introvert colleagues is they're perfectionistic and they think that they have to know, well, often is the case that their success formula up to say senior manager was knowing ins and outs, then whatever their domain is, they could, they just knew it every single detail. And then they have to exude and feel confident when they don't know all the details. And it's the same with having a side hustle or a side business. And I'll just share this about my podcast, which also I should go to a podcasting conference to learn what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> because I started out years ago as just reading my blog post and putting that as like an audio for people who wanted to listen to it. And then lo and behold, and right, I had about decided to cancel the thing. 
because it was taking a lot of time and not giving me, not delivering what I thought it should deliver. And then lo and behold, the thing exploded. And now it's today, it is number three in the world for communication skills podcast. So that risk, guys, risk is, it's you are not going to get away from that. You, you, you have to step out. And where, you know, what are your source, like on a, we all have good days and bad days. So where do you think that the confidence comes from? Is it externally, like from your clients or is it internally or both? Tell us about that. I think in the beginning, when you first test it, it is just kind of trying to ride the write it out to see mm-hmm. what the data is going to provide you with. I think that is the biggest thing is be not being afraid to potentially fail because if you do fail, you hopefully will learn from it. That's the whole Correct. purpose of taking mm-hmm. that risk, right? Mm-hmm. And deciding that you have failed based on data, not based mm-hmm. on, I did this for a week and it didn't work. We all right. know a, a week is not going to provide you with enough information. Um, you would stop podcast after a week that clearly wouldn't have been enough information or time for people to actually find you and love you and have you become number three, right? Exactly. So So true. Yes. So because of that, you really have to be able to look at the data, look at how you're applying it, and then go back and look and see what can I fix? What can I make little tweaks on? Because online changes so quickly that you have to, you're constantly trying to find out how it's going to shift. We have so mm-hmm. many algorithms based on social media, based on Google and SEO that we're constantly trying to figure out, okay, how, what is, what do I need to do now to continue to be seen? So because of that, similar to what you were saying before, where that high powered executive that's trying to move up may not know all the details you have to know and have that confidence in yourself that you can find those details. You're probably exactly. at research, right? You're good at problem solving. And I think that's often the difference. We don't know how to say, I can take this on. I can figure this out. I may not know this right this minute, but let me take the time to be able to figure this out and I can move on and continue to move up and provide you with the data and show you that mm-hmm. I'm moving forward in the right direction. And I think it's the same thing when we are looking at where we need to be able to move our business forward and how we're going to be able to do it. It's having that confidence to know that your mission and your vision is in line with what you are doing. Have I made all of the best steps in my business? No, I spent a ton of time growing Google plus, which was a social media platform years ago, had 660,000 followers over there, but Whoa. didn't grow an email list with those people. And then they shut it down. Oh no. <laughs> Whoa. You, you figure out different ways. You test different things. And I have learned from my mistake. The number one thing I do now is grow my email list. I am yes. constantly providing people with grab this guide, watch this workshop. And in order to do those things, they sign up and come on to my Right, right. So I will share for those of you who are seriously thinking of a side hustle, the the email list is, I think, one of your most valuable assets. And I'm just going to tell you how I started mine because you do have to start somewhere. So this was in 2009. Also, I had just been let go from my position of teaching at East Carolina University. And I just went through all my contacts and I put on my list everybody 
that I didn't think would get violently angry if they heard from me. And that was, that was probably 70 people, I think, 72. And probably some of those people are still on it. But over the time, you will learn, you know, if you go to Jenny Melrose's uh, website, you know, you can find out, like, there's a lot of things you can do to build that list. But you do have to start with your mom and your brother and your cousin and your best friend. That's that's who you start with. But that is your asset. And those are the people that are, they may not be your clients, but they can refer you clients. Yes. Don't you think? Absolutely. And they can share it and they can say, oh, this was a great podcast episode and share that out. Or it came in via email and they're able to forward that to whomever. That was exactly how, when I started my second site, because I sold the first when mm -hmm. the Melrose family got sold in 2019. And the Jenny Melrose side of things, that was exactly what I did. I looked at personal contacts that I already had, bloggers and networks that I had met at conferences and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is the podcast. This is whatever. And that's how I was able to grow my list as well. I started off with just people I knew. And then from there, started to create the content that was going to attract them so that they could get onto my list. All right. So unfortunately, the time is going by so fast. And I, I want to ask you a couple more things before of we course. go into our rapid fire questions. And then those of you who are seriously interested in talking to somebody about a side hustle, you know, you can contact Jenny. I'm sure she could set up a consult for you, but we'll get into that later. You do public speaking, right? Yes, I do. So tell us, what do you think? Well, I mean, I just want for your, what is your process for preparing a lot of people listening they spend way too much time agonizing and uh, you know preparing I'm always looking for shortcuts just on the preparation time you do have to put in the time you don't go out mm -hmm. there and wing it but that's not who we're talking to we're talking to people that are very fastidious and may spend too much time preparing so what is your process Mine is usually starting off with an outline. Everything mm -hmm. I do starts off with an outline. If I don't have an outline yet, I start with post-it notes and I mm -hmm. will just brain dump all the different ideas for that topic that I'm going to speak on. Then from there, I create my outline. From my outline, I create my Google, my slides that I'm going to be using, whether I'm doing it in Canva or PowerPoint, wherever I'm doing that. And one of the things that I have learned for public speaking is that you don't want slides that people are going to be able to sit and read. I want them to listen to me. I want them to be engaged with what I'm saying. And I want to be able to see their expressions. And if what I'm sharing is hitting home. So in order to do that, my slides will have like a basic kind of topic idea and then a visual to go along with it. And one of the things that I have learned that is to give examples, give those, share those stories, pull that in so that they can really see you as a true person, whether it's from working with a client or whether it's something that has happened that fits with what you are talking about and keeping it so that you're focused on the value that you can provide. One of the things that I always start off with, because I get so nervous, that is the introvert in me before I speak, is that I always start with I'm a former inner city school district teacher that you, that is used to dodging chairs. So if you have questions, <laughs> please feel free to ask me. And that's exactly what happens. They laugh and I exhale at that point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So having almost like a crutch that you can kind of like, okay, this is my opening line. This is what I'm going to start with. And it's going to make me feel comfortable. I do that on just about 
everything I do, whether it is in person or I'm doing a virtual summit and I'm a speaker, I always start off that way. And it just is my like calming sentence that I can, Mm -hmm. they're going to giggle. I'm going to exhale and now we can move forward and I can Mm -hmm. show them what it is I need to show them. And I think also knowing that you are that expert, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I am best known for in my space is that I am an excellent teacher. It mm-hmm. is just my zone of genius. I can teach you at no matter what your learning style is and how, what you have had experience up from in the past, but I can figure out a way to show it to you. And I think knowing what your expertise is and how you can bring that in is important too. I love that. I love that process and not starting with the slides themselves. Sometimes people will borrow a slide deck and I mean, and just adjust it, which is okay. I mean, and not every presentation is keynote quality, but guys, Jenny gets paid good money to give presentations. That's why I wanted her to share that so that you can learn from somebody who, you know, it's not that she has to present, she gets paid to present and she gets paid well. So you know, what is the purpose and what is your outline and don't have the text, what you're saying written on the slides because people cannot read and listen to you at the same time. And I also love that first sentence and I have a similar one and it's not like it's uh, people are falling out of their chairs laughing. You do not have to be Tina Fey. You know, you don't have to be Jerry Seinfeld. Mine is about uh, my doctoral research was on Hugo Chavez, former Venezuelan president. If you would like, if anybody's considering a career change and would like to become a Latin American dictator, I can help you with that. (laughs) It's a little, probably not too politically correct these days, but I still get a little giggle and, you know, like, so they, they get that I don't take myself so seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and it does the, the say, you know, like, don't throw a chair at me. I love that uh, yes. little tip. So is there any other negotiating like Intel you can share with us about, you know, when we're negotiating salaries or agreements that you've learned from your negotiating with the brands? I think that would be a very valuable insight for us. I think one, you have to know your value and you have to know the amount of time that you're putting into it, right? How, what is it going to actually, what is the amount of time that you're actually going to have to put into whatever it is that you are trying to, as far as the position that you're trying to go into. Um, in my space, we call it, you have to have a hate rate. You have to have a rate at which you will hate yourself <laughs> and the campaign that's that you are funny. working on in order to work on that campaign. So that's the amount that you will not, you are not willing to go below it, no matter what it is. And I always teach as you go higher, you put together a package so or a price that you are well above what you are comfortable with. And for us, it's deliverables that we're providing mm-hmm. at that package price mm-hmm. so that it gives us the room to be able to negotiate so that when mm-hmm. they say, oh, we can only do half of that. We only have a budget for this. We can take out what is worth that to get us to uh, a price that we're comfortable with, which is a little bit different. Of course, if you're dealing with a salary, mm-hmm. unless you're talking about paid time off and what goes all into your salary, mm-hmm. what are the things that you could negotiate more of? paternity, Mm -hmm. maternity, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. but being able to be comfortable and confident to know the value that you do provide. Right. I I think that a lot of times we underestimate our negotiating position when you've been offered a job or a promotion that you really do have power to ask, 
is there wiggle room? What about this? It doesn't, they're not going to take it away because right. you ask for more money, guys. So that, that's something to keep in mind. And another thing when you're asking for more money is that if, let's say they do say no, or we can only give you, you know, half of what you're asking for in a job situation, you could say, well, can we revisit this in six months? Can we look at this again? You know, just because, and I'm sure with your brands, once you've delivered some value, they're going to come back for more. And then you can deliver more, even more value and collect, you know, get compensated for that. It's a give and take. It's ping pong. It wouldn't work. We all give so much to our families and our communities. You know, we are the geese that lay the golden eggs and it's up to us to make those eggs as big as they can be as big as we can lay them. (laughs) Right. Love that. Yes. So before we go into how people can connect with you and before I'm about to get into the rapid fire questions, is there anything else that I should have asked you or that you can think of that you think would be helpful either to somebody considering a side hustle, you know, keeping in mind that you're dealing with, you know, brainiac, super smart people or anything about influence that we should know? Yeah, I would just say that when you are looking to start a side hustle, it's it's important to know what your mission are and it is and to make sure that your values are aligned with it. What are you trying to get out of that side hustle? Are you trying to leave corporate so that you can have more time with your family? So knowing where your values are going to be so that you can make sure that your mission is in line with that. Because I think as an entrepreneur, it's very up and down. You can have this really great high and then all of a sudden you can come crashing down because something decided to close down Google plus whatever it might be. (laughs) So knowing that that's going to be part of the process of those, you know, roller coaster ride of the ups and downs so that when you are aligned with your mission, you can push past those Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that are going to come with it. I love that. And I think a lot of people, you know, you just reminded me that not only is the economy, I mean, I don't know if it, it's hard to know. The indicators seem so contradictory. And everybody I talk to is like, Laura, what's going on? You know, they say it's great, but the groceries are so high. People are being laid off right and left. And there's also, though, the factor of the big, big companies are definitely wanting people to go back to the office. And a lot of us just got so used to working from home, like it just doesn't work for us anymore. So that might be an, even if you feel like your job is completely secure, which it might be you know, some of those companies are, they're on the path to get you back into the office and they may have good reasons, but you may have even better reasons for wanting that flexibility. I know for me, like right right now today that we're recording this, I'm in Florida helping out uh, one of my daughters whose husband is deployed in a nuclear submarine and She's got a toddler and she's got extreme morning sickness. And so I didn't have to ask anybody's permission. I can work from wherever. I'm seeing clients, albeit a little bit reduced schedule this week, but I didn't have to ask for PTO or anything or explain myself. Right. You know, that flexibility to me is just, we're, yes, the ups and downs are a little nerve wracking, especially in the beginning. And then you get used to it. Like, oh, it's it's super full. I, I, I'm working myself to the bone and, you know, making big bank money. And then, you know, something happens and, oh, it's not quite what it was. And then it comes back. So as long as you're adding value, you're going to keep making money and you can always pivot. You know, I, I think like you've done and you went from recipe blogging to influencer 
consulting. That's so interesting. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you the rapid fire questions. And then you tell people like they want to know, like, how do I do this side hustle? If they want to set up a consult consult with you, like how Mm -hmm. would that work if you have that in your portfolio? Sure. So where did you go on your last vacation? We went to Savannah, Georgia, and we're actually getting away by ourselves. Just my husband and I to Greenville, South Carolina this weekend. Very nice. Well, those are both very uh, close to home. Of course, Charleston is much better than Savannah, but um, it's okay (laughs) that you went to Savannah. What is your favorite dessert? Oh my God. Probably a brownie sundae. Oh, that sounds good. What about your favorite store? Where do you like to go shopping? Okay. So I'm not a shopper. I hate going to the stores and I have two almost teenage daughters that love to shop. And it kills me, like the anxiety from being that introvert. I just can't do it. Um, if I have to, it would be home goods by myself when no one is there, though. Oh, okay. So she's not <laughs> asking for much. Oh my gosh. Well, I will say that Savannah does have a my at least I think it's one of my favorite stores. And I'm not a big shopper either, but some places are just so dadgum charming. And this is called the Paris Market. I don't know if you went there in Savannah. So cute. So cute. All right. So what kind of music do you like to listen to? We listen to country. Oh, good. Well, that's growing on me. I used to not like it, but now I like the stories in it. And the fact that it's not rated X sometimes is a comfort with children in the room. Uh, What about movies? Any, what kind of movies do you like? Oh, typical rom-com kind of movies. (laughs) Reese Witherspoon is one of my favorites. She's good. Do you have you? Do you have a copy of her? What is it called? Bourbon in a teacup or something? Yes. Whiskey a, yes. Isn't yes. that We have that too. How would you describe your personal style? I love. By the way, Jenny has a great book out, and she's got a very fetching outfit on in the cover. So, is that your style? That I don't know. How I am you would normally if, if it's warm enough. I'm normally in a dress. Okay. Living down south, coming from New York and having lived in black and pants my entire life. I'm very now floral and southern and love my dresses. <laughs> That's funny. She's like gonna be more southern than Scarlett O'Hara. That's, That's right. Funny. And uh, were you afraid of anything as a child? I definitely was the introvert in me really suffered as a, as 13 ish probably was the worst. I played competitive basketball. I actually went to college mm-hmm. basketball scholarship and I would play with people in different towns. And I can remember getting a stomach ache every time I would go because I didn't really know girls. Oh, it was horrible. But it actually is why I think I do what I do because it, taught me that I needed to get used to it and have that confidence and get better at it. Good. That's very awesome. And what last question, do you collect anything? Books. Only oh, me too. business books. I don't do any like side read. Everything that I read is always business related. And what's a favorite business book that you can recommend besides yours? Oh, I just finished. Dr. Benjamin Hardy has an amazing book, The Gap in the Game. Oh, okay. The Gap in the Game. That looks interesting. I will definitely look that up. All right, Jenny. Well, we are out of time. Please tell us how we can get more of Jenny Melrose. Yes, there is. Actually, you mentioned my book. You can go to JennyMelrose.com forward slash book. There's a free workbook. Teacher and me, of course. 
to go along with the book and you can grab it there, or you can send me a DM on Instagram. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have from this episode or to set up a discovery call to see what might work best. My Instagram is at Jenny underscore Melrose. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, once again, I will say you're welcome. I brought, I only bring you the best. I bring you the most interesting people who, and we're sharing things that you're not hearing anywhere else. And this was no exception. It's great to have Jenny on the show. So we will see you on the next episode. Have a great day, everyone.